it's like, okay, this is Liverpool's time. This is United's time. But now Liverpool's only won one. So we'll see if that they sustain that or if United gets back or fucking Pep just... Excuse me, what did Pep win this year? I think he lost. I think he lost something right at the end. Pep is a fraud. Did you not listen to the last episode either? Jeez. Open wide for some soccer. I'm, I'm gonna drag this on a little bit longer just because I I totally forgot about it till just now. But Colin and I went to a TFC match uh, years ago, and it was just because like it was Montreal Impact and Toronto FC. I'm like I'm gonna go because you know maybe Didier Drogba will pick me out from a crowd and be like that's the guy. <laughs> you know I need to shake his hand, but you know he didn't. I don't even think he played that game. But they marketed. Yeah, toe injury. Also, fucking horrible finishing that game. It could have finished like eleven to ten, um, but every player just like either skied it over the ball or just fluffed the ball. Uh, but they marketed it as like the four hundred one derby, and then I'm like, and I mean, I understand, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just creating something for for the commercials. Uh, but then like this, this well. First off, I don't think Toronto or even MLS teams sell in away and home tickets in that style. So the Montreal fans were like sectioned off into the very top, the highest bleachers on like the east side of BMO Field. And there was like 10 of them. <laughs> it's not exactly a traveling contingent, but to their credit, they were probably louder than the Toronto fans. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing like over here if anyone travels like full credit like it's it's not close it's like a six-hour drive to, to like, i mean it was probably so. it's probably like gab and his buddies they're probably from toronto <laughs> the best mls derby sorry this is important information the best mls derby is uh toronto yes. <laughs> And Columbus, the Trillium Cup, based purely on like the yeah. same like provincial and state flower or whatever. Like, who pays for that cup? Doug Ford. It's not like the Voyageurs Cup. The Voyageurs Cup was actually like founded by the fans and created by the fans. The first competitors were Montreal Impact, Toronto Lynx, and Vancouver Whitecaps, and Calgary Storm. Like that also makes. I mean, that makes sense. It's like you have all these Canadian teams kind of in different leagues it's like okay yeah they don't exactly do something get them all together frequently at all anyways like some of them are in the usl yeah Yeah, so you got teams in like crazy de facto second division you got three mls teams so just as far as manufactured rivalries go i remember i think when they announced that nycfc was going to be a thing before they'd even played a game there was like a fight between fans in the street or something of like new york red bulls and nycfc it's like, okay, who, who are these people? Yeah. Like, this team hasn't even started playing yet. Red Bulls like paid their employees. Like you get a half yeah. day if you go like <laughs> go start, start a fight. Well, speaking of uh, North American soccer, that's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to Soccer Group Chat. We've got uh, Conlon here to help Hope discuss CONCACAF uh, events because Nick and I ashamedly don't know much at all. So they're going to be our experts today on this edition of soccer group chat i didn't watch that usa mexico game but i was watching i i saw you guys talking about it and was seeing some highlights and watching clips and uh i need a rundown i need to know what happened 
I don't even know what it was. What wh- I knew it was a final, but a, a final of what? That is the question at hand. What the hell was it a final for, wasn't it? Like the, in the lineup, in the lineup I made, the question for Conlon was, what the hell was that? So, Conlon, what the hell was that? <laughs> you know how Europe does Nations League and everyone complains how pointless it is? Just multiply that by about 10, and that's what this is. This is the CONCACAF Nations League the second most prestigious Nations League competition in the world. After a long, grueling season in which the U.S. both lost to and beat Canada, of course, they lost to Canada when I saw them play, they finally made it to the final against Mexico. And that is when CONCACAF took over. I don't know if you've ever seen any U.S. It's not just U.S.-Mexico, but I'll focus mostly on them for now. I don't know if you've seen any of their games in the past, no matter where they play, whether it's Mexico or the U.S., but it gets pretty heated. Both the players will be losing it. The refs going to lose control probably about 20 minutes in. The fans are going to be pelting the U.S. players with cups and apparent literal piss in some instances. Wow. It started pretty horribly. And I'll, I'll just also, as far as this competition goes, I've been messaging Hope over the last month talking about how stupid the Nations League is, how stupid it is that the U.S. can only play these same teams. We even have a friendly against Costa Rica tomorrow. It's like, okay, like it's just CONCACAF, CONCACAF, CONCACAF. That's all we can play. But yeah, when, as soon as the game started, it's like, all right, screw this. Like I'm in. We're going to beat Mexico. Haven't only beaten Mexico in one final, I believe. I think we were like, we were one in six or something. Then obviously that's pretty much all gold cup because you know this didn't exist. About a minute in, uh, this one defender who I admittedly did not know very well. Mackenzie uh, just gave it right to Mexico, and in about a minute, we were one nothing down. Tim Ream, I know he technically played in the Premier League last year, but didn't play much for Fulham. He was just getting absolutely torn apart on his side. Mackenzie just looked nervous. He kind of had a little bit of a better game later, but it was just terrible defending. Not not great to watch, but eventually Gio Reyna, one of our many young stars, popped up with a goal. That was the first. First half was fairly calm. A little bit of diving, a little bit of some like sketchy calls by the ref, but overall not too bad. Second half, it's U.S. finally started improving. Then our top keeper, Manchester City backup, Zach Steffen, got hurt. Okay, I was wondering why Horvath was in. You always have to have a like follically challenged keeper on the bench, or at least on in the squad for the U.S. I think that's been a mainstay since the Friedel days. Or Casey K. Was, was he? First. Is, no, he was is Horvath follically challenged? He just has short hair, honestly. I'll take Wait what I, a second. I'll, I'll take what I can get. Bashing your lord and savior. Well, now now I'm now I feel bad. But uh, no, he no, he has hair, but because it was light hair, he's trying to emulate the great goalkeepers of the past, and as we'll see, it worked. But yes, the second half things started getting a little bit testy. Mexico put in Diego Linas, who's one of their most talented. You know, and this is after Stefan got hurt and Horvath came in. Linus is one of their most talented young players. Last time I remember him playing for Mexico, him and Miaska got into it with Miaska just motioning how short he is repeatedly to his face. Okay. And then, but admittedly, I like Miaska, but admittedly, Linus is probably, we would say, a more promising talent. I mean, he's been promising the for the past like five years. At least he's playing in Belgium, Miaska, but. And he's still Chelsea, technically a Champions League winner, except not at all because he wasn't with the squad. But 
Yeah, so Linus came in, immediately scored after coming on. And then Weston McKinney, who had been getting free headers for the last, I don't know, the last uh, like 20 minutes, finally got one in. So it's 2-2. We're going to extra time. And this is when, as Hope I can attest, CONCACAF really kicked in. It had been, I, I couldn't really mention anything specifically, but it had been a testy game all the time. There were like multiple, you know, fights, or like, you know, soccer fights where no one really throws a punch, but there's a lot of pushing. I mean, these are pretty I mean, aggressive. Like, totally like, like real offenses. Like it's, it's like, no, they're not throwing fists or anything, but like I saw Weston McKinney get grabbed by the throat by like four different Mexican players. And like in the EPL, you get sent off for that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Soccer is weirdly violent that way. Like yeah. you don't just like hit someone, but like every now and again, someone will like grab yeah. your throat out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's all like, you. it's all under the cover <laughs> of like the crowd of players. Yeah. Sorry, but there, there's a picture from the last match that when Mexico and the U S played last time, there's the ref and there's McKenney and there's a player. They're all, they're both sitting right in front of the ref and the player just has his like hand on McKenney's throat. Oh my God. And the ref's just staring at it. Not That's no what card, you get when nothing. you get like the machismo of refs in yeah. CONCACAF. Like, there's no Canadian refs. You hope you get a ref from, like, the Caribbean or something like that. Like, the American refs can never do U.S. games, but they're the ones who are doing, like, a lot of the MLS stuff. And not to say it'd be perfect, but... So, anyways, like, extra time, game just completely loses control. We've had so much stoppage time at this point. We're into the second half of extra time, and Pulisic just gets clattered in the box. And there was another play where a guy on a yellow, just two foot studs up an American player, like not even, a, not got a foul, <laughs> but not a yellow. And they, they have, have VAR too. too. They never once went to VAR for any VAR. And the VAR tackle. referee was Canadian. Like Let me know that as well. VAR so referee long. was Canadian. And he's just like, <laughs> let them lead. It seemed like he just thought the job was an extension of goal line technology. But yeah, at, th- at this point, it's the crowd's getting restless. Some dude has just like fallen off the CBS bench. Clint Dempsey's probably enjoying the free weed in Colorado a little bit too much. Like everything's just kind of going off the rails here. It's just a complete mess. There's no punditry to speak of. Christian Pilisic gets smashed in the box and the bar check takes about five minutes to award a penalty. I saw that. And then, I, I I don't know. I thought it was a pretty clear. I would. I was actually going to say. I would actually contest that if they had let that. Like, if they didn't give him a penalty, there would actually be grounds for that. I thought that. Uh, I forget. I think it was. I forget who the Mexican player was. Girardo or someone. But I thought. I thought he got the ball. I I think it was. I think it was a very. I think it was a hard challenge that went into Pulisic, but I think he did a really good job to get the ball. And of all the penalties to go, if that had, if that wasn't given, I think that would be one of the most justifiable actions of that entire match. Yeah, I, I guess re- regardless of whether we think it was a penalty or not, they gave the penalty. And Pulisic, who I've not really seen take many penalties, stepped up and absolutely drilled it into the top corner. Again, after another, this is after another five-minute delay where the Mexico coach got sent off for like putting his arm around the ref while he was trying to check VAR. Tata Martino, they're doing the VAR check. And Tata Martino walks up to the box where the referee's checking and just like puts his arm around the referee and peeks in on the check. <laughs> and then like incredulously, the referee's like, what the fuck is happening right now? And just pulls out a red card on Tata Martino. And then you see uh, Greg Bearhalter. Greg? 
Greg Bearhalter, yeah. the coach of the American team, walk over to Tata Martino and give him a hug. <laughs> like, it is the most CONCACAF of CONCACAF matches I've seen in a long time. And Colin's going to finish off explaining what happens at the NCU. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, sorry. I'm definitely forgetting half the things that happened in this game because <laughs> I was definitely underselling the first 90 minutes because shit was going on, but it's just paled in comparison to like these last 20. So, oh yeah, and also the ref's uh, point to the spot was one of the most, oh, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, one of the most forceful things I've ever seen kind of made up for the last, you know, just losing complete control of the game. That was my favorite thing that I saw that was my favorite clip that I saw <laughs> of the whole thing was just after the five minute VAR check, like I was watching the streamable clip on Reddit and normally those clips are like 20 seconds. This one was like seven minutes. Cause it was like the whole VAR check. And then the ref, like walking out to like a chorus of just like jeers and just like, like he was doing shot put, like just was like, Whoa, penalty. And it was just amazing. <laughs> it was incredible, man. It was like the best acting job I've seen in a long time. So Colin, what happened? Uh, America was up three, two after a Pulisic penalty. Yeah. And so Pulisic takes off his shirt, runs to the sideline. They're playing in Denver, but the vast majority of fans are uh, Mexican fans, which is true. Almost any time you play in the U S understandably, but he goes right to the corner and then the entire team, the substitutes are running in and the entire team just starts getting pelted by like Coke, beer, like glass like whatever, and plastic, whatever any fan has. Like Gio Reyna got hit by like a battery or something or like they throw like hard stuff too. So just getting pelted. Peel six like being mauled by his teammate. So as once he starts getting pelted, he starts shushing the crowd. So there's a great picture that someone took of just him. Yeah. Like him with everyone like around him shushing you can't see the stuff being pelted in that view but so it was insane i mean it's one of those things like if that happened and i mean someone in the nba like some fan got banned for like life or something yeah meanwhile (laughs) nope nothing's gonna and this happens every time and nothing ever happens it's horrible like it's horrible when players get hurt it gets me fired up when i'm watching it and then fuck this like we're gonna you gotta smash them. Let's go. But it, it, I do not condone this. Obviously. Do you guys think that just because it's been so long since people have been able to get out and and go to games and stuff, like, do you think that people have this like built up sort of how do I put this like kind of like a caged animal sort of like and and stuff's going off like people are doing worse things because this, it's been so this long. This happens like, every time. This is not new. This was, it was just the fact that it was maybe in like extra time and it's been so long since we've seen it. But th- this is US, US, Mexico, anytime, anytime. Me- like it, it's not, so maybe there is maybe a little bit more caged up stuff, but I don't think that this is just another day in the office, honestly. Yeah. It's like so, also in terms of people like behaving badly and, I was thinking like, oh yeah, well those like Chelsea fans in Portugal after the win, like they were, they were uh, awful, awful people, like, like harassing people and like throwing chairs and this, like, I saw this one clip of this poor guy and like someone like takes a swing at him and he's like, he's literally just fucking cleaning up because you're in a circle around his restaurant, fucking trashing Uh, it. But then I was like, no, that's, that's pretty much English people abroad to my understanding. (laughs) Colin, you left at the very end, but uh, at, like just at the end of the match, uh, 
it was it was three two after Pulisic's goal, and there was the VAR check, uh, and Mexico was actually awarded a penalty off of a handball, off of a VAR check handball. Mexico was awarded a penalty. Uh, We're into like stoppage time of the second half of extra time at this point. Yeah, into of the ex- of the second half at this point, and it's three two. Mexico get a penalty uh, to send it into. I guess it would go to penalties, um, and then their cap. I think it's their captain who takes it. He lines up the ball, has a five meter run up, and puts in one of the worst penalty attempts I've ever seen in my life. Like he puts it a foot away from the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper over, like almost jumps over the ball, but he obviously manages to push it away easily. And and the United States uh, win the match. Um, After another like seven minutes of stoppage time and another incident with everyone getting pelted by trash from the. And including a Mexican one, there were six U.S. players to hit. One guy misses them and nails like the Mexico player in the head. Yeah, nails. So I felt kind of bad, but it was. If you if there's a video insane. clip of that moment where the Mexico player gets pelted by his own supporter, and it's a, a the clip is taken from the stands, so you actually see the guy who throws it. He's in his black Mexico kit. He throws his cup like it's a full cup. Uh, throws it over the over the barrier into there, hits his Mexican player in the head, notices for a split second, and then just starts walking out of the stadium. <laughs> He's like, I'm out. Fuck this, I'm out of here, man. I just want to touch on what uh, Nick said. Oh, for, first off, it was an incredible game. I can't imagine that some people in our group chat were watching circus boxing instead. <laughs> uh, like When I saw that, I'm like, oh, good. We're 12 years old. Um, but then I saw the behavior at the Conga Cap at, at the match. I'm like, maybe we're all 12 years old and can't control our emotions. Um, but what Nick was saying about like, oh, is there something pent up about like people because they're indoors? I'm like, like, absolutely not. Like pe- one, people are awful. Two, soccer, soccer promotes hooliganism. Like it, it is the it is the it is what people want out of their, maybe not what the organizations want publicly out of their supporters, but supporters and supporters groups uh, just encourage hooliganism. Uh, when you were talking about uh, Kyrie Irving <clears throat> being like hit by hit by a water bottle and the the fan getting uh, kicked out, um, like yeah, it's like it's bad, of course. I don't think it's anything pent up. That's just Boston. Like he got pelted in Boston yeah. by a water bottle. Like that's not new like even the boston celtics uh guard marcus smart said oh yeah we hear a lot of racially abusive things from our own fans it's really tough to go out and wear our jersey and play for these guys when that those kind of things happen countered by their general or their present general manager danny ainge saying i've never heard anything racist from boston fans uh and then obviously he steps down like three days later (laughs) You are a white dude, sir. And this things hap- these things happen in Oklahoma, like with Russell Westbrook, and in Utah most recently, where they're racially abusing John Morant's family inside the... It, it, there's nothing pent up about this. This is like, this is an issue that's, that, like, I, I don't know if you've seen America in the past, you know, 500 years, 300 years, <laughs> uh, but this is, this is just something that is is part of the culture that needs to be kicked out. Um, I want to query your thoughts on one thing that I realized from the CONCACAF match that I didn't know about. Uh, There's a very famous chant from the Mexican fans where as the goalies walking up to kick up, kick the ball, they'll go, Oh, and then when he 
And when he kicks the ball, they'll yell, and you're going to beep this out. They'll yell, right, at, at the goalkeeper. And I didn't know that in CONCACAF, when, when they recognize, like, uh, discriminatory behavior from the fans, they stop the match. And if it goes on for five to ten minutes more, the players return to the locker rooms. And if it continues to for five to ten minutes more, the match is abandoned, and they play it the next day bet- behind closed doors. I don't think it's ever actually happened. But I actually thought it was like a surprisingly hard stance from CONCACAF of all people um, to take on fan behavior. I think it's right. I, th- I actually think it's 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 really the first time I've actually seen a federation take the stance of like, we will take this away from you if 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 you keep behaving in this fashion. And I don't know if you guys have seen it from like, I don't know, in, in Europe and UEFA or, or anywhere else. But I was actually surprised and um, encouraged by that. Yeah, I, I just wanted to pick up on a lot of what you said there because I think that's so true. I think what's really interesting is when TFC, because we were all here when TFC began and immediately there was a sort of like, I forget what they're called, but the sort of like ultras or the firm for Toronto. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's this like performance of of soccer fandom. It's like like we want the same thing that they have like in South America and, and England where and Europe where you have this like old supporters group where people are, are very intense. And, you know, I, I don't know necessarily if I'd go so far as to say they like promote hooliganism, but you know what? I can't say definitively that they don't. Not the TFC one, but that kind of thing in general. Because I do think like the TFC one is this really like kind of sociologically interesting uh, performance of it rather than the actual thing. But I, I guess I almost said this earlier. I was talking about the, the corporatization and does that take away from rivalries in, in major league sports in North America? But the violence and the abuse is definitely just a toxic expression of that fandom. And I think that's something problematic that I'm guilty of sometimes. And I'm sure I've been guilty of once or twice on this podcast of kind of valorizing that a little bit, not even meaning to, but just sort of referring to that as saying like, look how invested people are. But if you look at things like uh, like Celtic and Rangers, like again, there's really deep sectarian roots to that rivalry in terms of Protestant versus Catholic. And, you know, that's not inherent to Celtic or Rangers. It doesn't have to be, uh, but it continues to be. And I guess it's like perpetuating it. So, uh, sorry, it's like I've, I've kind of lost focus here. I'm just sort of thinking out loud. But yeah, there's this really big problem with like, toxic expressions of of fandom and and by extension probably like identity right like you tie that to your team it's a part of you and there needs to be ways to kind of push it in a more positive direction because you have other places where you know firms as like close-knit organizations where people feel united around something common that could be a good organization for like public good public engagement uh like um I, I don't know any specific examples, but the potential is definitely there. And, and you can see that there's like political alignments for certain teams more so in Europe. Uh, oh, I had one point to kind of close things off. It was about the CONCACAF thing you said. So yeah, that's great. Like, I, I think it just needs to, at the end of the day, be not acceptable whatsoever. Like we need harder things. I love that they empower players to to leave if they want. But then you see like Glenn camera when uh, he was like abused by uh, that Czech guy in, in Europa. 
you know, like sometimes the players want to play on and that, you know, that's their choice, but sometimes you're like, you know, there needs to be something bigger, uh, to actually get rid of this and not just on the field. Sorry. I'm like full rant mode now, not just on the field. There, there obviously needs to be like very important structural changes as well. Uh, before we move forward, just the last thing, I, I suppose I will just say as maybe a wrapper on it, um, whenever the World Cup eventually does come to the United States, Mexico, and Canada, I feel for the United States men's national team because they will not have a home game uh, despite <laughs> despite being the host of the World Cup because I don't know who shows up for those matches, but if you guys saw the the crowd in Denver, it was literally all L3 fans. And at the end, when they were raising the trophy, you saw maybe like 12 rows behind their net of their own supporters. It wasn't, it wasn't good. It's not going to be as bad against other teams. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Like like Colombia is going to be in the world. I'm not, they they played, they played Colombia in like Copa. And while it maybe it wasn't like, you know, dominating us, it was, it was maybe 50, 50 or something. It it was nowhere near, nowhere near uh, this, but also with the way ticket booking works, like there's U.S. fans. We were completely outnumbered, but there are U.S. fans scattered throughout the stadium. Next, it was just uh, at the end. It's like the only group is left. That's like is the kind of organized. I forget what they're called now. It's like American Outlaws or something. Before we transition to Euros, can I just talk about Copa America very briefly while we're in the Western Hemisphere? Because I think there's there's some really interesting things going on down there. I'm not sure how much you've been following it, but there was that uh, screw you, Nick. This is good. This is good. <laughs> Nick said no in our chat here, uh, but I'm not listening to the show notes because I'm dedicated. Okay, we were, we we're talking about the Montreal Canadians for too yeah, long, we, too. So we cut that out. This is that wasn't on soccer. the recording. That wasn't on the recording. Okay, still, was it was too free. long. That was in the green yeah. room and the before the show. It was on our time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and you're only making it longer. So there's really interesting stuff going on with Copa America. I just want to touch on it before we transition. It was supposed to be hosted in Argentina and Colombia, which is interesting in itself, seeing as how those are on opposite sides of a large continent. But the pandemic was was severe enough in those areas that they decided they couldn't host it and it was canceled. It was briefly without a host until Brazil stepped up. Brazil, run by, uh, you know, piece of shit, Jal Bolsonaro, the, you know, uh, Brazilian Trump, uh, you know, accepted it to host. And for a while, it looked like teams were, were thinking about boycotting it. You had Luis Suarez and Cavani come out against it. Casemiro came out against it. And so did Neymar, apparently. Uh, so there was kind of widespread opposition to it. Now it seems like it's going to go ahead. Same day as the Euros, like June 13th. So pretty close to today. And part of what I read recently was that it's because the guy who was president of the Brazilian who was in a position to make this decision, didn't consult with the players and they were upset about that. And he was given a 30 day suspension or something because he was accused of sexual harassment. And apparently that is somehow linked that they were like, okay, well, if he's gone, then we don't feel as bad about it. So I don't know. It seems like a whole weird thing, but for, for a time, it seemed good that these very influential footballers were stepping out against uh, a harmful regime 
and uh, standing up for people who are afflicted with the COVID pandemic. But uh, no, they were just mad about this one guy, apparently. And apparently Neymar likes Bolsonaro, according to one article I read. So, you know, he and Lucas Mora are, are uh, dum-dums. You know, a lot of Russian, a lot of Russian athletes like Putin as yeah. well. Yeah, oh, they're also, you know, they're also. Uh, sometimes you have to beware of your space, but yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> and yeah, it is. You're right. It is weird how they're phrasing. Now that he's gone, everything will be okay. Yeah. Oh, wait a second! Haven't half a million Brazilians died because of COVID, and now you want to host the Copa America because what? You want, you want like a revenue injection from broadcast? <laughs> like... Yeah, ridiculous. Sweet. Let's go to the other continent now. Let's yes. flip it. Let's swap hemispheres. Last week, we, we've had a long overview, a long preview of England and England's group. Uh, we had two Brits on the show. So if you're looking to uh, get an England preview, then uh, listen to the fraud episode from last week. But I thought this week uh, it'd be good to just kind of go through like the rest of the tournament. Um, we don't necessarily have to break down every single team or every single group, or every single game. Let's just start by saying, like, what are you guys most excited for? Who are you most excited to see? Uh, which which match are you most excited for in the group stage? Or or which which team are you most excited uh, to watch? Uh, hopefully other than England, because we talked about them way too much. Uh, I can start, if, if you guys don't mind. So I was just looking at the matches again, and it looks like on Friday... There's going to be Turkey versus Italy, which I think would be an interesting one, both attacking teams these days. And yeah, I think it's just going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, one where I don't necessarily know that much about the players or, or the teams, but from what I've heard, that could be an exciting one. First one of the group, and it's an interesting group because along with those two, there's also Switzerland and Wales. So that could end up being quite an open group, depending on how that first game goes. And maybe even like, you know, as, as it develops, I think group A is going to be interesting. Yeah. There, there's a bunch that I'm looking forward to. I mean, we can look at group F as that's the one of Portugal, France, and Germany all in it. So, I mean, despite maybe uh, Germany's been over the last few years, like I usually pick them to win a tournament. I'm probably not picking them to win this one, but that's going to be a tough game for anyone for France or Portugal. But uh, one, one game I am kind of interested in is, uh, I, if I can remember, oh, Denmark, Belgium. Because a lot of people talk about this as sort of Belgium's. It seems like for the last three tournaments, they're like, oh, this is Belgium's chance. This is their golden generation. If they don't win something here, they're not going to win anything. And now I think we're really starting are starting to get to possibly the end of that, at least with a handful of these current players. Maybe next World Cup as well. But Denmark's a tricky team. Like they usually make the knockout stage. Ericsson's kind of been better in the last half of the year. Casper Schmeichel's solid. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they have a great striker up top. I guess they got Yusuf Poulsen, but he doesn't really bang them in that much. But I think that could be a tricky game for Belgium and sort of a litmus test for how they might actually do this tournament. Denmark has Barcelona star striker Martin Braithwaite. <laughs> Colin, you actually said that's exactly the match that I was going to talk about, and it was exactly for the same reasons. Like, yeah, like Belgium, every every tournament is Belgium's golden generation, but especially with like how successful Romelu Lukaku was at Inter uh, this past season. Uh, I I don't know what Kevin De Bruyne's status is. Um, I mean, he had he had a broken face from Rudiger's head from the Champions League final. I assume he's just going to wear a mask or something and play. Um, 
but yeah, no, Denmark's a cagey team. Like you're right. They always make the group stage, but like Christian Eriksen is one of those like kind of magic players. Like he'll, he can, he can just come up with something out of nothing. Um, but like defensively they're like, they have players that are fine to sit back and just like take the brunt of the attack from Belgium. And then they can, they can uh, like counter off it. I don't know how successful their counter will be, but like, Simone Kier from Milan had a great season. Andreas Christensen, while a bit up and down, like had a great close to the season for Chelsea. And then um, who's that Spurs midfielder? Uh, Hjoberg. Like they have Hjoberg in midfield as well. And like, I know it's hard to put too much stock in individual players, but I mean, like in in, in a lot of tournament settings, you see teams like Denmark win upsets just because they play pragmatically. And then Belgium seems like they just <laughs> they fail because they overreach too much. Everyone's talking about like, oh my god, like look at all their attacking talent, but they just they just bottle it at the end because they're not focused on like the the entirety of the game. Speaking speaking to that too, like their their back line is kind of it, it hasn't been deep. Uh, even when you know we were saying like maybe they can win the World Cup last time in Russia. But now, Vertonghen, Alderweireld, they're they're older. I don't even know what's going on. There was the, and then they had like Boyega. I don't know someone Boyata. from Celtic, Boyata. Um, yeah. So you, you've got to think. You know how capable are they of even playing that pra- pragmatically? Yeah, like once you kind of get down the list, where if you get past, you know, the fixtures like Alderweireld and Vermeilen and Vertonghen, then you got like Jason Denayer and Leander Dendonker, who are serviceable but i mean i wouldn't be scared of 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 them at the back i mean not to disparage laurent simon but i remember i can't remember his last world cup or euros but you you looked at the lineup it was great and it's like okay for right back or right wing back i think it was um they just had nobody else so they had this guy from montreal impact playing next to all these spurs players you got like a chelsea guy city yeah. Also, ha- who knows how Hazard's going to do? Every interview with Hazard, he seems very motivated. He's saying he seems to be saying all the right things, but like nothing's going to dispel everything that's happened at Real Madrid. How how genuinely awful he's been. Not, well, I say genuinely awful, not as a person, but like <laughs> just like his 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 stay at Real Madrid has just been so less than average as to what they acquired him for and how much they paid to acquire him. So yeah, no, Belgium, super interesting, super interesting club or nation in this tournament. If you're Belgium's manager, who I believe is still Roberto Martinez, who do you start up top? Romelu Lukaku, Serie A winner, or on-form poacher Christian Benteke? We're just going to ignore that question, <laughs> by the way. I thought you were going to say, we're just going to ignore Batshuayi. We're not even going <laughs> to keep him in the conversation. Right. I thought it was going to be something sensible, like maybe, you know, seeing the success of Kevin De Bruyne as a false nine. Yeah. <laughs> Does Luka- <laughs> He's like that. Christian Benteke. <laughs> I mean, your your options are 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 Benteke, Lukaku, Batchwai, Leandro Trossard from Brighton. I like him as a player. Like, I wouldn't play him as this starting number nine or anything, but. I was just going to look at the rest of the group because it is, it's another interesting one. And I think if you look at any of them long enough, they're probably all interesting, but you have Finland in their first ever major tournament. So that's exciting. And you've got Timu Puki who's coming back up to the premier league. So 
would love to see him do well. And then you have Russia who are a bit of a wild card team. They did very well at their like home tournament and they have some players that could really produce something too, like Golovin. And then you've got that, I don't know his name, but that giant dude. Oh, Juba. Juba is it. Yeah. So you have Juba and you can always just like hoy it up to Juba and he'll bully everyone. They could be threatening too. And man, if Finland, I would love it if Finland makes it into the knockout round. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So maybe we could kind of talk about uh, the minnows as they were. I know that at maybe we don't know all of the smaller teams as well as the bigger teams, obviously. But if there's one smaller side that you would want to see go on a Greece 2004 style or Montreal Canadiens 2021 style run in this tournament, uh, who would it be? My pick, uh, just to get out of the way, I would love to see Scotland uh, make a bit of a run. I was, I was kind of, uh, when I was listening back to our last episode, I was thinking I should have just picked Scotland to upset England because, you know, there's something in the water that uh, uh, makes me kind of think that that might happen. Um, but I think for me, it'd be Scotland. Just, I think that'd be exciting. I already, already kind of talked about Denmark and I feel like I should say Wales, but since they already made the semifinals last year's, I'll go with North Macedonia to make a, dare I say, Greece like run <laughs> in the euros at least they changed the name so it's not as a it's not as yeah. a galling to the to the greeks i know the last time north macedonia competed in a tournament um but i also know that uh, goran pandev is like a million years old <laughs> he's like starting at i assume he's starting at striker more than i don't know who else would um well now i have to look at i like i like nick's choice for scotland because two of my Two, two players close to my heart just as a fan are on Scotland and uh, the Scottish Scottish David Silva, John McGinn and, uh, and McGinho uh, and as well as the Scottish Chavi, Billy Gilmore. Uh, I'll have to think of a name for him. Chillmore, I don't know. <laughs> um, give me Portugal in any match because I... Cristiano Ronaldo puts the fear in every single nation when he lines up against them. Portugal, I wouldn't call them a middling team, but they they don't have consistent finishes because frankly their their overall squad isn't as strong as, you know, the top France, the Spain. Uh I'd say they're I don't know. How would you compare them to England? I think they're about a, they could be at about England's level. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. I think I'd say so. they've got a lot of like talent but I think also they just have like tournament pedigree. Like they obviously have some people from the squad that won. And just a history of being more consistent. Yeah, and this year, uh, some young talent coming through too. They didn't win a game in normal time last Euros until the semifinal against Wales. Like it was just three draws in a group stage, sneaked through as like third place in their group, but it was one looked awful like the whole tournament, but just somehow ended up winning it. And it's just not something I can see England doing. And if I can hop onto that, because as much as I would love to see Finland. Uh, Finland go through if I could see one team go through that's a smaller team I'd maybe pick Hungary because <laughs> Portugal they got in they snuck in at the expense of Hungary and in the group of death I would love for the smallest team to to uh, knock out one of the big boys and and leave them at home that would be a massive because Hungary is without their best player so it would be difficult but that would make it even more special uh, Remind me who that is. Dominic yeah. Choboslai? 
from oh, yeah. is that the guy with the sweatpants that's a uh, gabor Karali, palace uh, legend you guys were talking about north macedonia earlier and, and i'm looking at group c and it's pretty interesting because you know netherlands are you know the big team in the group but their manager is also frank de boer and you know they're they got you got netherlands you got austria uh ukraine and north macedonia so i feel like that that group to me uh, as well as group a uh the group with italy turkey switzerland and wales are are fairly you know fairly open i would say so i feel like north macedonia might actually have a realistic chance uh, to get through depending on how you know how ukraine is and austria i feel like both those sides have good players but it's about like coming together you know kind of as a as a as a, a, a team I was joking about this when uh, England was playing Austria in the friendly earlier last week. Is that like Austria is a hilarious, I, like, I mean, I don't love Austria for any good reason, but I like, I'll support Austria just because David Alaba plays for Austria and David Alaba is probably the most successful ethnically Filipino soccer player um, in Europe, maybe next to, uh, next to the, oh my gosh, I would forget his name, but the uh, Barcelona striker who uh, had the scoring record before Messi did. I was joking about this when England was playing Austria in the friendly last week, is that I love how Austria's plan in matches is like, are we getting killed on this side of the pitch? We're going to shift David Alaba to that side. I saw David Alaba against England play at center back, at left back, at center midfield, and at right wing in the span of 90 minutes. And like that poor man doesn't get a break. Uh, Yeah, just looking at, at their squad, I mean, it's not... Like he has that much support, uh, but up top they have a uh, uh, Marco Arnautovic. So he's older now, though, isn't he? I mean, like I, I rated him when he was at uh, Stoke and West Ham. Yeah, and he's inconsistent, but like on his day, he was he's great, very talented. Yeah, but then he went to China and just said, like, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of just I didn't try, and now I'm out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get back to it. Anyways, here's a call up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we leave Group C, though, I just want to say. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned Pandev being like a million years old because he is literally older than North Macedonia. I, I don't know when <laughs> North Macedonia like became an official country, but you know, it was uh, there was some stuff going on in the Balkans when we were we were all young. So I think it's related to that. Uh, should we skip over Group D? I assume you guys talked about Group D already last week. I'm sure I don't have anything new to say. I'll just say I hope England. I hope England wins. I'm not expecting it, but it'd be nice. I, I think, think they, they, they have too many expectations this year. That's the problem. That's every year, man. It's just no, because last, we read. Cup, it's just because we read so Western media. It. England is always in our th- like. If you read other media, England's not even like. Well, obviously yeah. they're but that, rated. But that's, I'm talking more about like the English media because like last time going into the World Cup, they weren't hyping them at all. It was like okay, we only got Southgate because Big Sam got caught on camera offering money for something i don't know so he's like okay we've got a rookie man or like this not rookie manager but like makeshift manager squad that no one was really rating that that highly young squad a lot of new players is like oh, i'll just get out of the group stage ended up obviously getting a lucky run but doing well this time too much pressure i think everyone's gonna buckle but it'd be nice if they didn't england croatia easily easy picks to come out of group d for me uh, i don't think you can really um well, you can argue otherwise, but I think those are pretty much locks. But I do think England's opening match against Croatia is a classic match for England to fuck up. Um, <laughs> lose like 1-0, uh, and then people are in panic mode until they get out of the group stage. I think it'll be a hard-fought, maybe 1-0 loss. 
but it's like, okay, well, it's Croatia. That's understandable. And then they'll come out with a draw against like uh, Slovakia or Czech Republic. And then, then it'll just be pure panic going into the Scotland match. But we'll see. I hope I'm, I hope I'm wrong. I think I'll get out of the group stage. I just, I can't see them getting to the final. Um, group E has Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. Um, one of your questions in the in our primer for this was, who do we think is going to get the golden boot? And normally, like if this was like a club competition, I would say like why not? Like Robert Lewandowski seems like the player to do that. But you know, you don't, I don't know. Was Poland going to get out of the group? That's the thing. You have to kind of rate like how long players are going to have to get have to play. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know if I really go for him. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the Spain team looks horrible. <laughs> the Spanish team is, is very weak right now. There are a number of players. I think uh, Busquets didn't Busquets just contract COVID. Yeah, and they called up six different players as alternates just because um, to train parallel to the squad because you know there might be transmission within the squad because of uh because of Busquets and Spain has you know they had their golden area era in the you know early 2000s 2010s and on a little bit and they haven't uh, quite reached those heights obviously like <laughs> it's, it's hard to reach the heights of Andres Iniesta Carlos Puyol Xavi uh, etc but it is Cesar Aspilicueta's chance uh to captain to captain Spain to victory. And if 11 Espilicuetas can win you a Champions League, it can certainly win you a World Cup. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys like what your feelings on Spain are because I feel like, you know, we kind of grew up, you know, I mean, winning three straight major tournaments. I mean, they kind of, they had their glory as Hope said, but now you look at their squad and yeah, maybe they're in like a little bit of a transition. But I mean, on paper, uh, when your biggest uh, scoring threat, I guess, is Gerard Moreno, the striker from Villarreal, who uh, beat Manchester United in the Europa League final not so long ago. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, uh, that leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, the midfield. I mean, all these players are good. They don't have the same talent level as they did in prior tournaments, I guess. Yeah, but there's still there's still a lot of quality in the team. Like, Koke is... is very good Tiago Rodri. Like if you're playing a four, three, three, I'm not sure what they really play, but you know, you can have a worse three man midfield than, than those, that'd be a very defensive setup, but you know, there's, there's worse. There's absolutely worse, but like, that's kind of my thing with Spain is like from, from their height. And you know, when they got knocked out of the group stage, what they lost famously, what was it? Four nil to Netherlands or something like that. One or something. I can't remember. Five, one or something like that. At Spain's height, they were such a technical team and they were so successful because of how they played. But I just I just don't think their squad and the Federation has evolved the team to keep up with the demands that like the top teams like France or Germany do in international competitions now. Like and it just comes with, you know, if if you don't have the players, you don't have the players, but just like Spain might be able to put out like a good, you know, a good like passing side that can play pragmatically defensively, but like their threat their threat attacking just hasn't been there for the past, I don't know how many years. And I don't know what you're going to get in this tournament when, when your most threatening attackers are what Morata and Adama Traore, you know, Adama Traore is just Spanish Hulk. Yeah. (laughs) Not Hulk, not Hulk, the Avenger Hulk, the Brazilian. I am excited to see him though. Like if he can make an impact, that'd be exciting. 
it's not like club competitions where like you know so many clubs have the best players have purchased like the best players in the world out of position like he might come up against a very very favorable matchup on his side and that can decide a that can decide a game in the world cup in a tournament like it's not 90 minutes to win a point it's like literally just win a game in these tournaments and i don't know maybe maybe they can come up with something i just don't i just haven't seen it in the past like eight years from spain Like we talked about how loaded Belgium was, but I remember in one Euros, like how Robson Connor was just toying with like the de- whoever the defenders were on his side, and it's like he was without a club at that point. So, so yeah, you get you get a good matchup, anything can happen. So you can't, but it it's weird when you have a team that was so good. Now all of a sudden we're saying like oh like and like obviously underdogs can win, but will Spain have like the will Spain go in with the right mindset of like are you trying to play a little bit more pragmatic or play to your strengths? Or are they just going to think, like, oh, we should be winning these games? They should get through because, again, like Poland, the, the rest of the teams are kind of like those teams where you have some solid players and then you have maybe like a few standouts. Like Slovakia has Hamšík, but I don't think he's old now, so he's not like at the same level he was. Wasn't he playing in Sweden? Like Was he? I knew he, yeah, I think he was, so. uh, but yeah, but he was like, he was great and maybe not to take away from his quality at all. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, maybe if he's, if he's still old, he can still like, he could still bring one or two moments of magic just from his like quality. And uh, of course they also have Martin Dubrovka, uh, who is uh, very dear to me. (laughs) And Sweden made the quarterfinals in the last world cup. That was a weird world. They just kind of pack. Yeah. Yeah, They just kind of pack it in and play defensively and they don't really have anyone up top. That's why I wanted to see Ibra come back, but that'll that'll get you through. Like at the Euros, though, like if you play pragmatically, you you can progress that way. And speaking of of Germany, similar to Spain, it's like a team that was once uh, a really great great team that's now not quite refreshed. Uh, they don't have anyone really up top, and are a little thin in in certain positions. Well, excuse you. Nobody up top on Germany. Wait, who? They have- oh yeah, no, I stand by that. <laughs> maybe, maybe Havertz. I have a question about Group F that I want to post at this group here of you guys. Is the winner of Euro 2021 going to emerge from Group F? Well, if you're betting on France, I suppose so. Yeah, I think I think France and Portugal are two that are contenders, and Germany in their diminished state is kind of a dark horse because they do have like such pacey, such a pacey front line. They still have such a good team. Yeah. Like, like team I know Spain not as good, but you look at their squad compared to Spain's that we just talked about. It's like, how is this team? Like maybe they're not as good as they should be, but they're been very much underperforming for the last. Sané, Nabri, and because I, I I think nabri has been playing like down the middle and like Havertz or, or Werner in there. That's like, terrifying pace a lot of skill not a team you want to come up against but at the same time not yeah. at the heights they were and then and then behind them you have Goretzka Cruz Kimmich and either Gundogan or Havertz Mueller's back yeah like yeah, like they, when you look at it would like be just team, fine that's stacked that's stacked when you really kind of set it up they had a stacked team for the World Cup and they just failed like, I don't know if it's all Lowe's fault or that seems to be the kind of common refrain is that like Lowe's just doesn't know what he's doing anymore not getting the best out of this team but he's stepping down after this tournament right but 
Yeah. Did they announce his replacement? And uh, was it Hans? Has, is Flick official yet? It's going to be Hansi Flick, but Group of Death, though. I think France is too good to 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 die out that early. I think um, as as dramatic it was as it would be. Um, but yeah, no, should be. That's why they call it a group of death, I guess. Poor hungry. <laughs> bring bring your cannons. Who's your golden boot winner? Who's gonna who's gonna play long enough in the tournament to win the golden boot? Hey, I know it's a boring answer, but I, I could I could see that. Who? Who who? Mbappe. Yeah. Oh. I think it'd be hilarious if Timo Werner won the golden boot. He won't. Just ba- <laughs> just based on like the season he had. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Um, yeah, it would be. He was, be you know what? Still have he was, in Europe. He was not good at the World Cup either. So I think I think Chelsea should have seen that and known. <laughs> like it would be great. <laughs> Honestly, I don't I I don't have anything against him. I just think maybe he's not like a top club striker. Maybe he's not the guy to get you all those goals. Maybe for Leipzig, where they're not quite the top team, he can do that. But. This is exactly this is exactly the con. You don't think he's a top club striker, but then he's gonna be playing yeah. a match against Hungary. He's gonna show up against like somehow Czech Republic's gonna get through and he's gonna play Czech Republic. He's gonna have six goals <laughs> in like six games. <laughs> and he's gonna re- his value is gonna skyrocket again. This is exactly the the Timo Werner con. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm gonna go actually. Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was, I was gonna, I'm gonna change mine from Mbappe to Kareem Benzema. Playing Ooh, through the middle for France. And my that's a good my one. actual pick. Uh, I'm going to the the Azuri, and I'm going to go with Ciro Mobile because he's been huge in Serie A for a while, and uh, we haven't we haven't touched on Italy that much. They have a really solid team, young team, uh, different style. Uh, the, I feel like they're going to kind of. I feel like people are, might be surprised by the, the way that they play. Uh, I'll say a Mobile. You can't count Italy out if they get out of the group stage. They either crash and burn, or like once they get out of the group stage, they seem to, they seem to always, almost always make the final. Not not all the time, but they just know how to win in tournaments, or they know how to like crash out and get upset by really bad teams in their group. Why? I don't. I wish we had Adian on for this because why does he sco- score so many goals in Syria and then just for the national team, it just hasn't really happened for Immobile. It's like I'm, I'm sure they play a different system, but. Like he's clearly a great goal scorer, but for for my top scorer, without confidence or conviction, I'll uh, I'll say my golden boot is Lukaku, just because he's coming off a good season, he's in really good shape, and if everyone plays well, he's got he's got really good service. You know, De Bruyne can can just basically, you know, serve him up something. That's 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 my like I'm still trying to decide in my head who's going to get the golden boot, and that's who I'm trying that's why I'm trying to decide in my head is like. Is it a player that's like has has shown great finishing form uh, recently and has good service, or is it like one of those players who like Mbappe who's gonna have the ball at his feet and is like always gonna have opportunities that he creates for himself? It's yeah, it's it's really hard for me to pick. Um, so who's middle ground enough for creating for themselves or for others and finishing? But Harry Kane on England, Harry Kane is winning the. Golden just boot. purely through Grealish one penalties. 
through Grealish won penalties. Um, some defender is going to step up too far, and and Mason Mount's going to put in a nice ball for Kane to run in, run in on. Um, I'm going to be honest. I have, I don't think I have ever genuinely watched Jaden Sancho play. Um, but everything I read about him, apparently he's he's he is Manchester United's key to another 13 Premier League titles. Um, so with Jaden Sancho feeding Harry Kane on a plate. Uh, that's that's Kane's Kane's trophy to lose. We were saying this last episode too. Like none of us have really seen him play, but hey, apparently he's good. Let's go. I mean, like if you're playing in Germany, let's be real. Like if you're not at if you're not at Dortmund or, or sorry, if you're at Dortmund or if you're at uh, Bayern or I don't know the five teams that are slightly competitive, Wolfsburg <laughs> gonna be a, you're gonna look great. Um. Okay, there's one question. I didn't put this on the list. I was going to, but I forgot. But now I remembered it. Uh, even bigger than the Golden Boot, who's going to win uh, the Golden Gloves? Who is going to be the best goalkeeper at this tournament? Is that just, do they rate Golden Glove just by clean sheet or by actual saves? It's not like a statistical thing, I think. I think it's just who it's is just the vote. best keeper. Yeah. I don't know who decides it. Uh, it's but. not going to be an English keeper. <laughs> Again, it'd be hilarious. I don't even know who's going to start. Is it Pickford Pickford. starting? Um, Courtois is going to see way too many shots. He's going to see way too many shots. We got Lloris, Manuel Neuer, Rui Patricio, Gigi Donnarumma, who's apparently going to PSG for some reason. Igor Akinfeyev. (laughs) He's still playing. I think think Patricio would be my pick. Because I think Portugal, I think they... I think you know they're they're savvy in how they play. I think they're going to just try and keep it tight and then keep it so that they can just get a bit of magic from like Felix or Ronaldo or someone up top. But you know they they always come in. I feel like they always come in organized and and get the most out of the players that they have uh, because as we said, this it can be kind of a mixed bag. Some of the players are are really top quality and best in the world, and some are uh, doing a job. Yeah, and that's the thing with Portugal. I really want I really want to pick them to win, and I think they have a strong enough squad, but it's like they have so many pieces that are all good on their own, but it's can they be cohesive? But I'm gonna go with uh Donnarumma, I think. I'm going with a Dutch keeper. Tim Cruel. Uh I thought Stecklenburg started for regardless. I think Netherlands get out of their group. They're gonna face enough shots. Like their defense isn't solid enough that they're gonna face enough shots that their goalkeeper is gonna need to save them. It's all about the optics. It's not a it's not actually rating the clean sheets or anything. And they're gonna see the Dutch keeper save a shit ton of shots, gonna go to a penalty. Cruel's gonna save some penalties. I guess it will be Stecklenburg. <laughs> yeah. I know Silson's out, but that's uh so that's that's our golden glove. Sorry, Nicholas Sacco won't be winning the golden glove this season. <laughs> I guess Conlon has uh Conlin's also a keeper, both in soccer and in life. My golden glove, I think he's gonna repeat his father's heroics, maybe not get them to the final, but take Denmark on a good run, Casper Schmeichel. You guys want to cap it off with our who's gonna win? France. <laughs> are we unanimous Eskenusums unanimous i don't know if that's the word in french but i'm gonna use it are we all on the france train how could you know i'm just gonna feel like an idiot if i say some other team to try to be a dark horse and then 
parents, you know, goes on to win it. And it's like, well, how did you not see that coming? Even when so. I think to myself, like, oh, you know, like you could Portugal the tournament <laughs> and get yeah. to the end. It's like, who could do that against France? Portugal, Portugal literally. Yeah, Last tournament. Again, no, again. I know, but like, that was an aberration. Was it? They don't it have Eder be, in the right? squad. That's their mistake this problem or this time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm all in on France. The man of the match, other than Messi, award. Where if France doesn't win, if France implodes and has like a 2010 World Cup, who would win? Oh. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's. I feel like everyone is so heavily in on France that. I can't help this. This is Nick's betting nature coming out. He sees the plus feeling. sign. He sees the return. That something is going to go wrong or that they're going to slip up somehow and everyone's going to be shocked because, I mean, they're so good and they're so stacked at every position. Even but, if they slip up, Conte's there to clean exactly. up. Exactly. But I really like Portugal, I think. I, I, I like that, you know, this could be uh, Ronaldo's, I mean... He's probably going to play in the World Cup, but this could be his Euro swan song. I like Bruno Fernandes, as you guys know. Joao Felix is young. They're solid. I mean, they their their back line is a bit old, but do they not have a Premier League player of the season uh, in their center back? Ruben no. Diaz? Oh, he was? Yeah. I thought it was, wasn't it? Wasn't it De Bruyne? I think he got the PFA player of the oh, season, okay, but then yeah. Ruben Diaz got another. You know him with Pepe? Those did, are all yeah. voted, though. Jose Font won uh, Liga this year. Jose Font's 100 <laughs> years old. <laughs> yeah, they're scary. I'm going to be contrarian. Just to be contrarian, I think it's going to be either Portugal or England. But I'm going to go with Portugal. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna also, so the not France train, because it's, it's so hard to bet against France. But if we're going on the not France train, you've convinced me, Nick. I think, I think Italy got to have a good shout. Uh, you know, they, their center backs are old, but I mean, Chiellini and Bonucci, like, you know, like quality is quality. And, and you know, as Mourinho said, they could teach at Harvard. So <laughs> teach defending at Harvard. So, it, you know, I think for them, it's just, can they get enough? No, they, they're pretty scoring, right? Yeah, they got, they yeah, got they attacking got Chiro, talents here. Insigne, they got Barella. Bellotti. I'm going to. I'm going to be honest. They have, um, who's that winger? Frederico Chiesa. Yeah, from Juve. From Juve. And until literally this morning when I looked that up, I thought it was like his dad who used to play for, I thought it was his dad because I didn't know that he was a son. I thought he was like 50 years old and still banging goals. <laughs> Enrico Chiesa. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Italy, Italy looks good to me. And I think like Portugal, they're just one of those teams that knows how to play in a tournament or at least seems like that because England always fuck up. Okay. So we are off to our random predictions. Usually Adrian kicks these off for us, but he's been working really hard, making carpets, tweeting tweets, uh, and, and moving homes. So I am covering predictions for him, uh, the top of the table is actually Nicholas Sacco with 96 points. I am trailing behind him with 94 points. Adrian is trailing behind me with 93 points. And Conlon is fourth place with 87. You can really tell who fills these out each week and who doesn't. Because after Conlon is Nick G with 57 points. 
so there, so not many leagues are occurring right now. We're into the international season, but there's a handful of leagues, um, especially in South America and North America that are occurring right now, as well as obviously the Euros tournament that's coming up. Uh, so let's start in Argentina in Primera B Nacional. Uh, Ferro Cari Oeste is facing Brown de Adrogue. This is much He's nicer winning. when you say the Spanish. <laughs> uh, okay, so I will... Uh, you know what? It's Argentina, so let's start with Italian. Nicolas Acco. Okay, I thought we were just doing Euro games for this, uh, but well, I guess we're not. So I'm going to go with the second team you said, uh, 2-1. I forget what the pronunciation is. I forget what the name of the team is, which always happens, but I'm going to say 2-1 for the second side that you so said. So Nick Lasacco thinks Brown de Adrogue <laughs> is going to win 2-1 against Ferrocari Oeste, which means uh, Western Railroad versus Athletic Club Brown. Uh, let's go down my picture list. Adrian? I'll go on the... I'll hop on that railroad for a 2-0 win. 2-0. Conlon? Conlon? I'm a big fan of Railroad FC. I think they'll win 1-0. Railroad FC, 1-0. And I filled these out based on the names because I thought they were fun. Um, apparently, Brown de Adrogue uh, wanted to name its central train station um, a certain name when it was founded. But because of the Western Railway, they weren't allowed because they had already choose, chosen the name for a different area. Uh, so it's it's a classic rivalry between the railway and the people. Uh, it's 1-1. One, one. Um, we're going to a friendly uh, between two teams that haven't faced each other since 2013. Uh, Japan is playing Serbia. Um, I started with an Italian last time. I'm going to start with Italian again because he loves Japan because he was at Japan recently, I think. Uh, Nick, who's winning? Yes. Uh, Samurai Blue or I don't know what Serbia's nickname is. <laughs> man, I really, really like Japan, but I think Serbia is probably better. So I think Serbia is going to win this game. But because I like Japan so much, I'm going to pick a draw. 1-1. One, one. Ooh, 1-1. One, one. Adrian, are you on the side of uh, Nippon Daikyo? Uh I don't know what. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the Serbians. No real reason. Uh, Minamino, Minamin who? 1 0 Serbia. Can't believe you guys want to skip this. Look how fun we are. <laughs> 2 1 Japan, I guess. Oh, no, uh, that's still Serbia. Asians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Serbia is just. They'll be too devastated about not being in Euros. That they won't be able to rally the troops for this friendly against Japan that they're playing for some reason. Uh, so Conlon's going 2-1 in favor of Japan, you said? Yes. And I am going with a 2-0 win for Serbia uh, over Japan. Apparently, Serbia's greatest fo- one of Serbia's greatest footballing successes is when they won the Intern- Intercontinental Cup in Tokyo, Japan against Chile's Colo Colo in 1993, uh, where they tokened the phrase Serbia do Tokyo, which apparently is something that people use to uh, 
to mock Serbian nationalists. So I actually don't know, uh, <laughs> don't know what that statement stand, where where I stand by stating that statement, but thought it was fun. Uh, next, we're going to a World Cup qualifier. Uh, there's a lot of European tournaments going on, but in Asia, people play soccer too. Uh, Philippines is playing Guam. Um, Nick, which of these successful pre-1800 pirating nations do you think is going to win this match? We're going with the uh, Philippines in honor of David Alaba's mother, who is a former Miss Philippines, which I learned. Uh, I read something about that a few days ago and I was, I was intrigued. And then you brought that up I and thought I thought she was a nurse. I th- <laughs> you be both. Be both. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, she's both. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Models are smart. <laughs> What's the score? Oh, one nil for Philippines. I'm going to say one, one, no, two, two. <laughs> three three i'm i'm gonna stick with two 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 colin uh you were telling me that philippines almost qualified for the world cup or at least we're kind of in the hunt in the They're last still round technically in the hunt True. and whereas I, I don't hear a lot about guam being a soccer powerhouse so i'm gonna say four one philippines wow guam's four one philippines isn't guam like an american territory or something yes still so think about how great america is at soccer and then divide that by the philippines yeah yeah i mean like the americans went to guam during the spanish-american war and the spanish just surrendered it right the spanish didn't even know that they were at war (laughs) sounds about right yeah and so they stopped at Guam, went to the Philippines, and they killed a million Filipino civilians. Uh, so I'm on the side of the Philippines in this match. And like I said to Conlon, <laughs> like I said to Conlon, uh, Philippines are technically still in the hunt for a World Cup spot. All they need to do is win their next two games. China needs to lose their next two games, and Philippines needs to make up 15 goals. Uh, so <laughs> Philippines is going to beat Guam 9-0. So we're here at Euros 2020, game one on Friday, Turkey versus Italy. I mean, it wouldn't be soccer group chat if we didn't shout out Mehmed II and his siege of Constantinople. <laughs> and isn't this isn't this just a replay of that? Um, Nick, are you on the side of Giovanni Giustiniani or are you carrying your boats over the golden horn with the Janissaries? You know what? I understand nothing of anything you said. So I'm going to take Italy, but I mean, Turkey's good. They have Barak Yilmaz, but I'm going, I'm going to go with Italy. Safe choice. Uh, 2-0. 2 <laughs> nil for Italy. Adrian? Well, I think that um, unlike Suleiman, Turkey is not magnificent, but nor do I think that we're going to see an Italian resurgimento. Uh, <laughs> so... So the papal fleet will not arrive. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think Italy are going to edge it to two one. Um, I think it's going to be an upset two one Turkey, and uh, Italy will crash out in the group stage as a result. Ooh, not even a as a result of place. one match. If they they either they either get through the group and do well or they just crash out spectacularly so i can't remember who else is in that group so that's probably a dumb thing to say wales though that's okay. go through. isn't it is it wales yeah, oh, yeah. switzerland and wales. wales yep okay yeah that could i mean not, Gareth not Bale, impossible. never know 
Um, I'm picking, I'm being conservative. I'm going 1 1. It seems like a classic opening day scoreline. Um, Saturday, Denmark versus Finland. Finland finished with the silver medal in the recent double uh, IHF World Hockey Championships, and that is going to propel them to a uh, fourth place finish in their group. And they're going to start off <laughs> with uh, a 2-0 loss to Denmark. Very roundabout way of saying that. Adrian? I'm going to be a little more conservative. I think uh, I think it's going to be a 1-0 Denmark. 1-0 for Denmark. Conlon Jones? I already talked up Casper Schmeichel in Denmark, so I kind of have to go with a shutout for them. So 2-0 as well, I think, Denmark. And I am of the same mind. We're all thinking Finland got swept by Denmark. I'm going 2-0 as well. Uh, on Sunday, North Macedonia plays Austria. This is exciting. Oh, man. Um, geez. Nil-nil. <laughs> this guy's always exciting. taking what I want to say. I was going to say a nil-nil. I'll say a 1-1 just to be Gosh. different. Sorry. You got to go 2-2 now, Conlon. Always got to call. Conlon says 2-2. Yeah, uh, no, 1-1. Oh, business. He's Colin's got business. He's a businessman. He's a businessman. Uh, I am going 3-0 for Austria. Alaba Hattrick, eh? Alaba Hattrick. Maybe, maybe some Baumgart Linger assists. Those are the only two players I know. Uh, last match is everyone's favorite match. England versus Croatia. I was pessimistic about England earlier, but they did beat Croatia in their Nations League group few years ago and that's the last time i remember them playing croatia so i think they're going to continue that form three years on and win it 2-1 england england's going to win 2-1 for colin and i think like i said before classic match for england to fuck up first match against croatia 1-0 for croatia those are our predictions i don't know when these are going to end uh probably the end of the euro seems correct hey and the gold cup stuff. and we have the olympic soccer tournament anyways that was uh soccer group chat usually adrian Beatty does this but i'm gonna do it because he's looking down at his phone uh, what do we usually say thanks for listening um you can find us on spotify on apple podcasts on podbean and anywhere you get your normal podcasts um thanks we'll be in your adrian ears. will be in your ear adrian's gonna be all up in your ear and enjoy the euros everybody Even if you're an England fan.